The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Eric Boyette, Secretary and State Chief Information Officer for the North Carolina Department of Information Technology. So welcome to Ask the CIO SLED Edition, our state and local show, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we get started on your IT issues and accomplishments, priorities, et cetera, and maybe a few heartaches along the way in the in the Tar Heel State, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about your route to the state CIO office. I I know you've been with the state now, I guess, for almost twenty five years. Previous guest backgrounds are, are really all over the place. Bob Sampson in New York. Dennis Goulet in New Hampshire were, were private sector. Delaware CIO James, James Collins, he was an Air Force dental technician, believe it or not. And uh, Barry Kukoff, right. yep. Barry, Barry the chief technology officer of the District of Columbia, was an early GIS uh, star. And Toner from Nebraska worked with his uh, governor at, at TD Ameritrade. So tell us about your career in state service before your appointment by uh, Governor Cooper in 2017. Sure. So I've had a um, a various uh, journey to this spot uh, within state government. I've been working in the private industry for a very brief amount of time right after college. Um, actually worked for sales and distribution for a computer firm um, in our, one of our eastern North Carolina towns. And from that point, uh, started. I had a friend of mine call me and said, hey, we had this program with uh, Department of Transportation that you know, we need help with and wonder if you're interested in coming on board and actually start as a temporary employee there. Um, worked a little bit through that department um, and just learned, you know, different areas within the department and started, you know, taking different roles uh, out in a field operations unit and then moved to our central Raleigh unit to work on the finance side. I've worked on a safety side. I've been commissioner of DMV. Um, was actually deputy uh, CIO for transportation and also the CIO for transportation. And then as well, at the same time as CIO, I was also the deputy state CIO here for um, DIT as well. And just that whole progression between that and I was inspector general. If you think I would almost within uh, Department of Transportation, I've touched a lot of the areas there. I, I guess you but it helped me, you know, those yeah, it, it was good for me, though. It was good to – it taught me a lot about, you know, how the value of the customer service and the values of, you know, looking at a great business relationships with you know, good business requirements analyst and how does how does IT and the business work together. Um, and it, it really helped me prepare for this role. And I didn't think of it at the time. <laughs> but now I look back – through those experiences, and it really helped me, you know, with that role. Sure. Well, as DMV director, DMV CIO, and then director, that's that's pretty unique. I've been affiliated with NASA, uh, NASIO for, uh, God, 20 years myself, and I don't think I've ever come across anyone that came from DMV that ended up uh, a state CIO. <laughs> You're pretty unique in that, aren't you? I think so. I've <laughs> talked to some of my peers, and – you know, uh, and and it's funny because a lot of people, you know, you think of DMV and 
it's not very favorable <laughs> for the citizens and our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the, but it was see, really something I enjoyed. Everybody loves to hate. You know, it's really uh, funny because an that, associate of mine is uh, Jean Shiamoto, and she's the uh, was right. the director of DMV in California until recently. Unfortunately, right. her uh, motor voter mm-hmm. election voter registration system kind of kind of uh, went kaput. And I bet I think in the neighborhood of twenty five thousand or so erroneous folks were registered right. so she's uh she took an early retirement so in re- it's interesting right. it's interesting uh, your background i understand well, well let's talk about that uh, new, the north carolina co governance structure so as i understand it there was mm-hmm. a, a major reorganization prior to your appointment and i guess that resulted in the creation of your cabinet level position and designation as state cio tell us about that eric Sure. So the agency was created. Um, you hear a lot of uh, different um, adjectives and verbs being used about how, like consolidation, um, different ways to create an IT department. So uh, we're calling it optimization because what we're doing for the state of North Carolina is we're optimizing all of our IT staff to one agency. So we're creating that professional IT, you know, agency. So if you look at your transportation, your public safeties, your health and human services, you know, we're creating an IT agency with those skill sets um, within one agency. Um, we, are, we should be finished um, by June of this year and we'll be complete. Um, our statute actually says we completed last year, June of 2018, but um, we're, we're technically will be finished by June of 2019. Um, we've, we should have all the personnel moved over. And we'll, that's phase one for us. Phase two is now looking at the staffing and what does that skill set look like and how do we help improve you know, our agency staff and make sure they have the training they need, they have the support they need. So that's phase two of our project. But it was underway when I got here. Um, Chris Estes and Keith Werner were the two previous state CIOs before me and uh, worked to get that started and we're gonna make sure we get it finished. That's interesting, Eric. It almost sounds a lot like Ed Toner's Nebraska uh, Enterprise Consolidation of IT staff. Yes. Yeah. No kidding. It is. It's very similar. Ed and I talk a lot, and it's um, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. The uh, appointments of state CIOs rising up through the ranks, like you, so to speak, they're not unusual. In fact, in the early days, that was uh, most often the case. The last two California CIOs, Carlos Ramos and Amy Tong, followed that route, and I believe mm-hmm. uh, so did your predecessor, uh, Keith, that you mentioned as well. That's correct. But the fashion is uh, of late, correct. the fashion of late has been to bring in a lot of folks from the outside, primarily from the private sector, the proverbial nationwide search, so to speak. How did your selection process, <laughs> right. how did your selection process network? Did you know the governor previously when, when he was AG or in the legislature? No, I did not. I did not. I think a lot of um, push for me to be in this role came from, you know, industry partners that I have that we work with. Um, actually, a lot of our general assembly members, and you know, there were, you know, if you looked at the transition team that was in charge of IT for the state here, um, they, you know, they reached out and asked me was I interested. So there's a lot of interest from, I guess you would say, you know, different. Um, affiliations, um, and it was good. So uh, when Governor Cooper called, um, it took me, I'll be honest with you, it took me took me some time to um, really say that, that let's go. 
Um, but the governor is, is such a great man, and we talked about, you know, beliefs and where we were. And I wanted to make sure his his approach and my approach were the same and his beliefs and my beliefs were the same of what we needed for information technology and cybersecurity in our state, and we were dead on. So I was very thrilled to get the opportunity. Well, it's it's also very interesting because I, I you know, I go back and forth on this with a lot of folks I talk to in this business about uh, the relationship with the governor is such a critical aspect of uh, of having an environment yeah. for a, uh, to be a successful uh, CIO. So you're on the cabinet, and as I know, more and more uh, folks are not only becoming state CIOs, uh, but they're also being appo- they're appointed by the governor, but they're also being uh, asked to be on the cabinet, which is a big change. In your case, I think that it makes is. it uh, it makes it a lot easier to get things done. I would think. It is. It really does. And when you, you know, when you're, we, we have a cabinet meeting every Monday morning. And when you're sitting around that table with the governor, with your peers, and the key word there is peers, you know, they look at you now as, you know, a partner versus, you know, there's an IT guy when my computer doesn't work, let me send that over to him. <laughs> so it's more of a strategic, <laughs> I mean, that's the way, it's the way it used to be. And it's yeah, the, it's sure. the change of the culture to look at. You know, here's, you know, it's an IT professional that's helping us look at where do we need to be? What's our, you know, roadmap look like for our technology over the next five to 10 years? Uh, so it's been very good. Uh, it's been a very good uh, partnership. We we have a cabinet that gets along very well and works together well. Um, so it's been great for us. Yeah, I think it's critically important, critically important to have that relationship. I know when I uh, took the job, accepted the position to, Move from Boston out to Sacramento to become the first state CIO uh, in uh, in California. They told me, I said, "Is it cabinet position or a cabinet level position?" Yes, sir. Well, I came to know that cabinet <laughs> level position is not the same thing as cabinet position, and that was a big shock when I had the moving vans on their way for three thousand miles away. Not much I could do about it, but work over the next years to get it to get it to the the stature it had to be to Elevated. really get things done. I told them if you want right. me to. I told Absolutely. them if you want, and they gave me all the operational authority. They said they I'd have, and of course I right. said I didn't have right. it. I didn't have it, and then they said to right. me, uh, I said, well, you know what? It's a lot easier to consolidate data centers if that data center manager reports to me as opposed to some <laughs> other cabinet official. But uh, alas, yep. it didn't That's quite correct. happen until Terry Tagai got there. Um, I definitely want to. I, I definitely want to ask about your relationship with the governor, as I believe it is one of the, like I say, the one of the most true criti- critical aspects of an environment that really leads to a successful tenure for any CIO. But first, I know that our crack research team here at uh, Fed News Network has discovered that you pursue <laughs> you pursue a relatively unusual extracurricular there. It is at Kenley Kenley area. Is that where you are? Yeah, but, that's but, correct. But, Eastern North Carolina. But we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Our guest today is Eric Boyette, Secretary and State Chief Information Officer for the North Carolina Department of Information Technology. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Network, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Eric Boyette, Secretary and State Chief Information Officer for the North Carolina Department of Information Technology. Before the break, Eric, I was kidding you around about your extracurriculars, but I understand that you're a board member of your local fire department. Well, my recent other recent guest was uh, uh, Dennis uh, uh, Dennis Goulet from uh, New Hampshire. Yes, and he's actually he's, yes. he's he has spent decades 
as a girl soccer official. So uh, I, I asked him, I said, I, I asked him, is, it, is refereeing girl soccer, did that teach him everything he needed to know about being a state CIO? So I'm going to turn around and ask you the same thing about your first responder experience with the fire department. I, I'll tell you that um, it really helps you with negotiating. Um, so that was one plus it brought me here. And also, uh, 911, the board, the 911 board for North Carolina is actually housed underneath the state show here. So it did, that was an advantage for me with that. Well, it's, uh, if you ever write a book, you've got a title for it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about your, uh, your state government IT model. I certainly believe, as I said, that okay. along with the executive champion, in your case, the governor, the governor, mm -hmm. governance model is critical. And I like to refer to it as the, uh, the strong versus weak model. A weak one has policy-only responsibilities, like many of our federal mm -hmm. CIO colleagues and several states. But the strong, right. one, strong one has policy, budgeting approval, and most importantly, operations. And from what you've said earlier, North, North mm -hmm. Carolina falls in that latter category, right? You've got we the do. Whole, you've yes, got the we whole... do. We have full. We do. Yep. We have full procurement authority. We have full operational authority for the executive agencies, for the cabinet agencies. Um, and the way the law was written is some of the council of state agencies have the ability to request to be a part of our consolidated agency as well. So we're seeing some change in the tide, I guess you would say, from no, we don't want to be a part of that, To What does that mean for our agency? So we are seeing that shift. And you're right, it does. You, you have to have all of it to make it successful. Um, and honestly, the procurement arm is the strongest um, to help guide the state in the, the best fiscal responsibility with the procurement. That's a good point. I'm going to come back to, to that in a minute. Uh, on a show uh, the month before last, we had uh, James Collins on, the new NACIO president from Delaware. Sure. And other guests, mm -hmm. we've also discussed this strong versus weak idea in terms of creating a successful environment. Uh, the importance, again, of the governor's support is important for sure. But if you don't have this operational authority, Absolutely. in fact, James, everybody, every CIO I've asked has said, I wouldn't take the job unless I had both operational and policy. I think you'd agree. That's true. Yeah. I would. I definitely would agree. That was one of the things we talked about with the governor about where things were and what his, what his vision looked like. And that was, we were agreeable that it needed to stay the way it was. So it was a great conversation. You're right. You have to have leadership. And the governor obviously is the leader. And you have to have that partnership. You know, going back to Terry Tagai again, when she came on, uh, uh, we had talked talked and i t said to her if you're going to go work for schwarzenegger you got to tell him that you really need that operational authority <laughs> and she and she got it and she got it and then a few she years later a few, yeah, years, a few years later jerry brown comes in becomes governor within a month he the uh he eliminated the cabinet agency and stuck it back under government operations <laughs> somewhere along with fleet management and some other yep. nondescript agencies what a what a tragedy i hope newsom right. i hope newsom will change that back to where it's where it really needs to be, as we said, to, to be successful. Um, before we leave Absolutely. the gov before we leave the governor governance model, there's one more interesting issue mm -hmm. that has arisen, and we touched on it a bit. And your organization illustrates it to a certain degree. Our first guest on Ask the State Ask the CIO 
was uh, our good friend uh, Doug Robinson over at the National Association of State yes. CIOs, NASIO. Mm-hmm. He said that all state CIOs mm-hmm. are now appointed by the governor and more and more are being included in the governor's cabinet like we talked about and like you are. But interesting, mm-hmm. interestingly, several of the cabinet-level secretaries of technology often have an economic aspect to their portfolio. And consequently, they, 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 uh, they aren't designated as the state CIO but instead have a CIO that reports to them. Virginia has that and had that going a, a long time ago. Maryland's recently done it. Several mm-hmm. others. Just recently, Massachusetts, my old stomping grounds. What do you think of this development mm-hmm. with, uh, the, with the uh, uh, a secretary but a CIO reporting up to uh, up to them rather than being them being one themselves? I think it would really depend on the state and you know the maturity of. The, the the transition and that, that entire, you know, where are you within that transition? I think maybe 10 years from now, if you look at North Carolina and, you know, the optimization I talked about, if that is completed, um, you know, that, that could be a possibility. But I think for now with, you know, still having, all this is new, it's still new to this agency, still new to the state. I think you really have to have one person to drive both the vision and the policy and the direction at the same time. But I, I do see that, you know, in the future, once you have the once the state reaches that maturity, uh, I think that would be a, a great thing, great possibility. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? I actually remember ten years ago when I was president of NASA. Right about that time, we saw more and more uh, states designated a chief information officer because that was new. It really only started. Right. I was arguably I was arguably one of the first, if not the first, in ninety five, right, ninety four or so. Right, and that's uh, correct. There was a there was a, a shift because a lot of the NASIO members, the NASIR, the old organization, you know, they were data center managers, et cetera, and all of a sudden they had a new boss. So it caused some conflict. We had to get PK uh, PK right. out to do the credential committee to start looking into some of these matters. <laughs> where we st- we went ahead and changed the name over to CIO. So, it, uh, yeah, it really worked. I tell you, it had to. And uh, I'm just wondering if something like this yeah. with these secretaries that could have an impact. Maybe there'll be another organization called the – National Association of State Secretaries of Technology. Oh, that would be enough. I hardly. No, it's a, yeah. I won't be around yeah, to worry about let's that. Don't, let's don't. No, we won't. And we, we don't want to have Doug to have any, you know, heart flutters today. So let's not talk about that. Yeah, I asked him that question. I did see him stutter a little bit. And, he, and, he's using, and that man is using it and not at a loss for words, as they say. Oh, no, if you have, if you if you missed a few words, then you did good. You did good on your questioning. But actually, uh, talking uh, about NASIO, switching over to uh, last fall's NASIO yes. NASIO survey on CIO priorities, a major one is infrastructure consolidation and optimization. You've touched on this earlier, and you it sounds like it's right. it's pretty much com- it's pretty much complete. But as you say, optimization is always an ongoing issue. I recall. I recall years ago when our, I'm sure a mutual friend, Rick Webb, was North Carolina CIO back when yes. he was a contemporary mind. Yes. There was a major outsourcing initiative. Whatever, whatever became of that? Uh, I believe that was the, I think you're referring to the ENSA study. And it they came in and did a thorough review. And based on, it goes back to the maturity. Um, we, the agencies could not provide good information. So I, the the study it couldn't it couldn't determine what was the best thing to do and then mm-hmm. the agencies um, and 
pushed mm-hmm. back very heavily about the approach because it was the I call it the old approach of we're going to take everybody and move to the IT group that's already here, and you're going to do everything we do. So the way you know we've approached this is very different. Is we're taking all the technologists from the agencies and we're creating a new agency and we're learning from all the agencies and we're taking the best practices from those who are being successful. And that's what we're using as the model for everybody. So it's less of a takeover and more of a partnership and growing a new agency and a new, you know, I I tell everybody because I come from transportation. When you think of transportation, you think of engineers. We want you to think of when we say department information technology, you think of technologists. So that's what we're stressing when I talk to General Assembly members about, you know, there's still some confusion about, well, why would you want to move, physically move people from their location to yours? And we're having, you know, those messaging, you know, it's, it's very important. And I think that's where, you know, the studies were broken down because they didn't have people with the knowledge about, you know, what has happened in the past, not just what do we need today. It's what do we what happened in the past, where do we need to go for the future, and how do we push those together? So we've we've really done a strong job of communicating here's what it will look like and it's a partnership. Um we have to work together. Well as a matter of and, fact uh, you know the cabinet secretaries. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I did notice but, in looking at your background and some of the things that you've talked about and uh, stories about you, one of the words that came across very clear that you mentioned is partnership. And I think you're talking about that right now, aren't you? <laughs> we are. Yes, we are. And and you're right. I, I, I tell people if I don't say the word partnership probably eight times on any interview, <laughs> um, I haven't done my job. Because <laughs> it is. It, it, you know, it takes partnership between your vendor community, um, between your peers at the cabinet level, um, the General Assembly members and, you know, our our technologists that are out in the field doing their work day to day to show how successful North Carolina can be. But it is that partnership. You have to have it. If you don't have that partnership, we'll never be successful. Let's shift over to your back. Well, let's shift over to your organization for a second. Tell us about your your budget okay. and your staff limits, uh, staff leadership, senior staff. I guess the state budget's around sure. $24, $25 billion. What, Tell us about the IT side. Yes. Yeah, we have about $470 million, uh within our budget, and that'll fluctuate because we do have one. Our services unit is receipts-based, so that is it could be consumption-based, so sure. it could go up and down, it fluctuates. Um, but that's about our average. But our staff size, we started out with about 600 people. Um, we are up to about... 15, excuse me, about 2,000 now. Um, so we're growing, obviously, through the optimization. And by the time we finish, we should have around 25 to 3,000 in the end. Um, but that's you know, the big, if you look at the big picture, our senior staff, um, my uh, chief deputy, Tracy Dokes, handles all of our services side. That's the receipt-based um, organization that has your data centers, your telecom, um, the things you think of when you think of services. And we have a solutions group uh, that's managed by Glenn Poplowski, who a lot of the agencies that you know we've optimized and we're working together with, um, some of them are small, so a lot of those uh, CIOs are working with Glenn about how do they partner together to get a benefit from being you know optimized. So he, he has that challenge as well as project management. Um, we have our cybersecurity. If I don't say cybersecurity nine times, I'll be in trouble as well. 
Um, <laughs> but we have uh, you have a great uh, state chief uh, risk officer for uh, Maria Thompson. Uh, she is a retired Marine that is very uh, very strong in our cyber um, program, uh, known na- nationally with her strengths. And you know, we just we have a good team. Our guest today is Eric Boyette, Secretary and State Chief Information Officer for the North Carolina Department of Information Technology. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. We're going to continue the conversation with our guest, Eric Boyette, Secretary and State Chief Information Officer for the North Carolina Department of Information Technology. Eric, we were discussing your appointment, rising up through the ranks of state government for 20-some years, even a stint as CIO, then director of the North Carolina Department of Motor Vehicles. That's unusual. Plus the creation of North Carolina's Enterprise State IT Secretariat. And finally, the critical role of a strong CIO governance model with major operational authority. Eric, as you indicated, you came with a CIO, came to the CIO position with 20-plus years of state government experience. I often speak with uh, other state CIOs who have come from the private sector about the transition, the cultural issues. But I also believe that state CIOs uh, like yourself who've come up through the ranks face their own unique ch- and challenges. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. It, it, there, there's plus, I see, you know, there's pluses and minuses to both sides of that equation. Um, but I'd agree with you 100%. Uh, it's it's some, there's um, there's always resistance, and I would think uh, it's one thing to come from the outside, like I did in both California and Massachusetts. But on the inside, you know, you've built up traditional relationships over the years. Sometimes the sometimes maybe the insider, like yourself, may have uh, uh, more different <laughs> cultural issues than somebody somebody from the private sector. <laughs> That's true, and you know, especially around change. You know, change change is difficult for people, and managing the change is important the 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 part that we've seen and like i mentioned tracy ducks our chief deputy she was also an agency cio so a lot of the trust factors that our agency at dit in the past didn't have was they you know maybe the cios that came in were not did not have that state government background they didn't understand the history and the operational side and we did and we do so as we're making changes we understand how to make those changes and make that change management a lot easier um, and that stress go down for the change. And we understand the impacts of the change. So that's helped us. Um, the things you mentioned about maybe not so easy, when you are, you know, a lot of times th- people think, well, if they've been there 20 years, they're going to try to continue to do the same thing over and over. And when we do make that shift to something new, um, that's where we get, well, wait a minute, we didn't expect you to do that. Um, and we're making changes like that now, but it, it goes back to you know, the partnership. See, that's how many times is that four now? <laughs> so we're, you know, we have to make sure they understand that we are the partners and we will be there, and we're going to make sure they're supported. And our job is to, you know, support them 100% and provide the technology that they need, not only now but for the future. Yeah, and I'm sure, like I say, the colleagues and the friends that you built up over the years and all of a sudden you started making these uh, uh, consolidation and optimization <laughs> and taking staff from this department and putting it in your department and all that. Right. That's, that's bound to rub people the wrong way. I can actually remember my old boss, <laughs> Charlie Baker, who's now uh, he's now governor in Massachusetts. Right. He was a yep. secretary of administration at the time and my boss. And 
we had a brand new building that they that I inherited when I got there. And it was they called they were going to have a, a data center data center co-location project. They were afraid to even call it consolidation project. And I said that's crazy. And they were going to build printers, you know, printer offices that's for exactly. every department, uh, walls everywhere. So anyway, oh, yeah. I, I told I used to get after yeah. Charlie. I said, you know, why don't you get behind this thing? And Charlie said to me. I'm the, you're the only one that wants to do this consolidation time. <laughs> I said, well, Charlie, I take that as a compliment. Thank you very much. We're doing the right thing here. So we have lonely positions. That's right. We that's have lo- right. lonely positions sometimes when you're, yeah, when you're trying to make change. That is very true. Yeah. Well, and I'll give, you, I'll give you a prime example. Good. So there was one night I was here late, um, and one of the employees um, noticed my vehicle as he was leaving. And I got an email from him later that night. He said, boss, I realized that it's lonely at the top, but I didn't realize on a Friday night at 8 or eight, well, 9 o'clock, whatever it was, he said, you'd be the only one here. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you're right. It is lonely at the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's switch gears a bit. With the, um, got a new year, got a new budget. What are the uh, some of the yes. major new initiatives, yes. uh, including potentially significant uh, act procurements, as, you say, as we'll say, in 2019 for North Carolina? Yeah, so we, we've got some that are carrying over from 2018 to 2019 that we're trying to round out. Um, one would be our identity management. We have a legacy identity management that we're in the process of replacing. We have an RFP on the street that we're working through right now. So that that's one of our biggest um, um, procurements that we're working on. Um, we also, we've got several you know things that we're working on. Might not require procurement, but there's things that we're working on to improve, um, like chatbot internally you know we want to offer chatbot technology to our citizens and you know the adaptation of siri and alexa and the things that you know we can do but you know that's something we want to do internally to help our own employees because if we look at we're looking at um just value of time for our hr staff the amount of time they spend on emails and phone calls you know that are repetitive you know sort of the rpa type uh, conversation so what what can we do? So we're looking at some chatbots internally to kind of take some of that load off of them, and then once we're successful, how do we expand that out to our citizenry? Mm-hmm. Um, broadband. Broadband is, you know, the governor and I have talked about broadband so many times that it's very important for North Carolina. We, are, we just finished up a acceptance for, we had $10 million that we were allotted for a program called GREAT. It was a great program for North Carolina that, we allowed tier one counties uh, within our state to submit grant applications and we closed that uh, application process on the 1st of February. So we're in the process now reviewing all of those applicants um, so we can make that award for those $10 million. And hopefully, you know, we, we talked about that as, you know, a very small seed that we need for our state, you know, to grow our broadband to our rural communities um, for the last mile. You know, how do we, how do we complete the last mile? How do we, you know, we need to close our homework gap um, and those activities. So we're doing a lot of different things. We're doing things called uh, digital libraries. So, you know, you think of a library, you go and check a book out. What we're doing in a few of the counties, you actually go and check out a MiFi device. So the kid that may not have, you know, internet uh, access at home can check out that MiFi, complete their homework, and then return the MiFi. So things like that, uh-huh. just trying to change our, our approach. Obviously, cybersecurity, we're looking at every and any way we can to strengthen our state. And we're doing more and more what I noticed in this job and talking with uh, Maria 
our state chief risk officer, we our partnerships with the with the counties were not strong. So we're figuring out ways how we can partner with our counties. Um, you know, maybe deploy you know Albert sensors or eye sensors or technology on our network edge. So we get information to help protect the state and they get information to help protect their county level information. Next generation 911. Um, you know, we're we had an outage this week, actually yesterday, um and you know, we're looking at the next generation nine one one. If that had been in place we could have rerouted those calls and have no outage. So you look at health information exchange, you know, we're about 81, 80, 81% of our hospitals are now connected to our HIE. And it's just, it goes, the list goes on and on. We're, we're looking at something different with cloud. We're actually, we did an RFP and brought Deloitte in to talk about our cloud service broker. We have a great staff here, but we're so focused on day to day and maintenance, we weren't looking at maturity of our staff for cloud. So we brought Deloitte in to help our agencies. You know, when they need cloud services, how do we broker that? And, you know, our data center mm-hmm. is a cloud. So sure. how do we make that a cloud offering and compete? You know, so now, you know, if you look at our offering, we have to compete against Azure's and AWS and Google, everybody. So we're trying to make that as well. There's mm-hmm. just, there's so much we have going on. Uh, we've launched, uh, it's my, yeah, it's good. It's fun. That's mm-hmm. the part that I enjoy. It's very fun. <laughs> yeah. But, well, it, let me, let yeah, me, it's every day, but we. I was just going to say, since the uh, since we met last October at NASIO in San Diego, as you know, there's been a major shakeup right. in the CIO ranks due to the the uh, last election. Yes. And then perhaps there will be yes. twenty twenty new state CIOs at the next NASIO conference in May. What That's advice? Right. You, you're you're a long timer now with two years under your belt, right? So what advice? <laughs> what do you, what advice do you give these newbies coming on board? So, I'll tell you, um, NASIO, and I'm treasurer of NASIO, and it was it was very strange for me because you know I've been around state government, and I understand you know how um, agencies and how um, partnerships like this work, but NASIO really for me was it was a great opportunity. So you know, first sitting down with some of the you know, CIO peers and just understanding how they operate. Um, that's very important. Just that conversation with your peers and being able to bounce, you know, ideas, bounce, you know, procurements. How are you guys dealing with some of these major vendors? I, it's very important to reach out and use NASIO because it is a very strong arm um, for the state CIO. It's it's just a great opportunity. I can't say enough about it, and I I, I talk to Doug about it all the time. It's just a great it's a great benefit for um, a state CIO to have that partnership that you can reach out and network with your peers so yeah. easily. Yeah. I valued my, um, uh, I, my participation, uh, for the five or six years yeah. I was CIO and, uh, I'm still involved with right. it. I still enjoy it very, very much. Uh, moving right. along again, let's, right. let's talk about your, uh, your legislature. States all are, are all over the place sure. in terms of, uh, <laughs> their involvement. And when Mao was in Massachusetts, I had very little contact with the legislature, maybe once or twice a year over budget. But in California, I mean, I had to testify almost every month about some different project <laughs> or budget or something like that. What's your experience with the General right. Assembly in, in North Carolina? Are they engaged? 
Yeah, they are. They're very engaged. Um, when I first got here, um, the chairs of our IT subcommittee reached out and wanted to meet immediately. Uh, obviously, just dropped what I was doing and <laughs> you know, and met with them. Um, the good thing was I'd had a relationship with one of the members uh, through my transportation days, um, so that helped um, some of the transition over to this role. And it, it just you know. They're they're great about reaching out um, and asking questions. You know, instead of I think it's a little different than what you experienced in California. Um, now they may bring me down to, you know, discuss about a certain issue in front of the entire, um, you know, committee, but it's more of a conversation around. Okay, how do we help you? They always want to figure out a way to help us, mm-hmm. um, and many of the many of the members will say, what do we need to do to get out of the way? Yeah. Well, um, is there things that we're doing, you know, very good conversations. That's, for a me. Far, that's far different from my conversations with the California legislature over, <laughs> over the child welfare system. I'll tell you that. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Now. Right. Our guest today is Eric Boyette, secretary and state chief information officer for the North Carolina department of information technology. You're listening to ask the CIO sled edition on federal news radio, part of the federal news network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Eric Boyette, Secretary and State Chief Information Officer for the North Carolina Department of Information Technology. We were uh, before we left, Eric. We were talking about the uh, the comfortableness or lack thereof when dealing with the legislature. <laughs> but actually, that's a good segue. And I know we've touched on cybersecurity, but it's such a huge issue. I mean, it's number sure. one for years now on NASIO's survey that we talked mm-hmm. about. I just had Alan Shark in here, whom you, you probably know. He's with the Public right. Technology Institute, mm-hmm. representing the 80,000 yep. local governments around the country. Uh, kind of a NASIO for for local government, I like to say. And that's number one on their list, too. <laughs> Man, and, I, and once again, partnership. You brought that up in one of the conversations I read that you had yes. about dealing with security. That You made it sound like it wasn't as so much of an enterprise approach, but you were looking at departments to do their own thing. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So what, you know, when we looked at, you know, the state as a whole, um, I mentioned the counties. You know, we we realized that was a big gap in our um, strategic plan for um, cyber when our chief risk officer and I met. So, and we looked at the agencies, and as we talked with the agencies, um one of the things I was successful in doing when I I was late um, arriving um, in this position based on a budget cycle. So one chamber had already passed their budget and it was headed over to the other side. So I had to run and scramble and say, hey, I need a little bit of money for cybersecurity, please. <laughs> so we did get money today. Yeah, anything, I, that was the first on my list. So they know when they see me coming, that I, you know, it's cybersecurity mostly. Yeah, you got to have but that audit trail, they, Eric, right? You know, did they, you, hey, I asked for the money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And here's my proof. <laughs> But, you know, they did. They listened to us, and we've been able to establish funding to help agencies who were struggling with, you know, the funding to do some of the security needs that they had on the table. So, we, you know, pen testing, just different things that, you know, you can look at. And so now we've done that. So now we've got to go back and say, okay, we've done the testing, and here's our you know results. Now we've got to do a remediation process. And what do we do now when they – there's not enough money to you know remediate everything that was on that list. 
So that's our big ask. We have a two-year budget cycle coming up now that we've prepared for and submitted, and we'll be in talks uh, very soon with our members as soon as the governor releases his budget about those things. You know, here's where we see uh, benefit. Um, but the agencies, between the agencies and our vendor community, um, we really we we really partner. We do. You brought it up just a second ago, but I was really taken. Uh, I, I was impressed, and I thought it has a very compelling story. And that's your Center for Innovation, your iCenter, and also your Data Analytics Group. Tell us about those. That's very unique from my perspective sure. and from what I've heard around the country. Yeah, sure. So we, with our Innovation Center, we actually have a, a dedicated space um, within our Environmental Quality Building that we can test technology, we can have demonstrations from our vendors when we're doing RFP solutions, um, very forward-facing. Um, we can have, uh, even our citizenry can come in and look at you know, any of the technology that we have displayed. So it's very um, unique. Um, we are still still trying to in ensure we're, you know, how to use it, uh, still new, but we're we're still making sure we take great benefit of that our our data analytics center I, I can't say enough about the work that that staff does um, which is tied also our HIE health information exchanges in that same group but they're they're just they they do so much work um, if you look at our CJ leads application which is a law enforcement application mm -hmm. to help pull data from different um, systems into one resource for our law enforcement staff um, it was it was built over a we had a a tragedy with one of our um, college students and our parolee and if you know law enforcement had had all this information at their fingertips previously maybe that murder could have been prevented we not we, you know you can't say for sure but we know it couldn't have hurt um, but that that data and the way we're managing the data for the state and sharing data within agencies. Um, you look at fraud. We have our Employment Security Commission. You have our Treasurer's Office who manages our state employees' retirement system. You know they have ways to you know look at our fraudulent returns and fraudulent uh, requests for uh, payments. And it's just it's just a wealth of data there that we share um, internally. To make sure that you know we are good stewards of the uh, citizens' money and our money. How did you so staff that, this, Eric? How did so you, much work. Did you pull people from in from all over government, or was it within your organization that it was created? It was. It, we actually we were very fortunate that we had staff. We created um, additional positions, so we did have you know some up staff for that. And we're at the point now where you know we, we've grown so much that additional staffing is needed again. So we're looking now at, you know, we tried contracting a little bit. It didn't work as well as we wanted. So we're going back to the, you know, the method of we need a permanent staffer there. And it, you know, it's, it's challenging because that is a, it's a difficult um, marketing and recruiting area, uh, the data scientist area. But it's just a, it, we have to have it. And if you look at the results, um, um, the ROI on that is, is you know, it's, you can blow it out of the water. So mm -hmm. we get great um, support from our, you know, obviously from the governor and obviously from our general assembly members who are appropriating that dollar for us. <laughs> well, back to the NACIO priorities survey, Eric. Various state CIOs, they've come, they've come up with some very innovative approaches to the whole workforce issue: hiring, recruiting, 
training sure. the so-called next generation of, of state employees. What's the, uh, what approach are you taking mm -hmm. in North Carolina to fill this gap? So we've got, you know, we've got a way that it's a little different for us when we look at recruitment. We've got a wave that we're facing of retirement. There's about 35% of our staff can retire within the next three to five years. Um, so we have a situation. So we're looking at um, different ways to recruit. We've talked to different talent um, agencies and you know, not not your typical um, headhunting type activity, but more of how do we get the word out that North Carolina Department of Information Technology is a job recruiter. You know, we have jobs that we need to fill. Um, we started doing your typical you know, job fairs. And uh, I know I spoke at um, one of our universities and, you know, they were like, they think of government as, you know, what I call our grandfather's government, where they come into this cube, they have their, you know, their lunch, they bring in with them and they type all day long on the same screen. That's, it's not that way anymore. We're actually using newer technology. So we're trying to make sure that our newer, you know, Technologies are shown to some of the staff that we're trying to recruit. I mean, or some of the individuals we're trying to recruit, and it's that's where we're that barrier we're trying to get over right now. The, the this, you know the stigmatism around state government that it's oh yeah if you go there you're not only going to see things that are ten years old, you know, or older. So that's what we're trying to get that word out about what we're doing, uh, the changes you're seeing, you know, like the cloud environment and just how we're dealing with it. So that's been a big part for us. One of the other areas that you've touched on earlier, and that was the issue of procurement. And obviously it was, sure. as I recall, it's one of your early targets for reform when you, when you came to your office. <laughs> I always like to say that the road to hell is paved with the skulls of those who have taken on this kind of challenge <laughs> in the public sector. Tell us about what you're doing there. We're open for any new ideas, Eric. <laughs> so I'll tell you the first thing you have to do, you have to find someone that is a great procurement director, um, someone that understands the procurement uh, possibilities within the guidelines that you have. And, you you know, for us, it's, it goes back to how our legislation was written to give us some authority to move faster on procurements. Um, and I'll give you a prime example. One of the things that we did that was a win not only for our agencies but for you know, our vendors, it was very easy. We used to do all of our uh, PC and hardware by – we do quarterly as a bulk buy, but it was with one vendor. Well, there's typically three to four vendors that always be it. Mm -hmm. Well, we changed that to say, okay, we're going to create it where you can buy for any of these four vendors. Give us your cost and let the vendors go compete like they should with our agencies and allow our agencies to have more choices. Every day. So it allowed the agent. Yeah, that's it. So that cut down a lot of our overhead for our procurement staff so they could focus their time on more of the contract specialists, you know, the negotiating, the things that, that we needed them to do in our procurement area. So that helped us. Um, it was change. It goes back to our previous conversation about change because our procurement specialists were like, well, our costs are going to go out the roof. I said, I don't think they are. Let's do it. Let's try it. And they came back and said the costs are the same. Mm. So... It was very good for us. It was good for us because we had a lot of pressure from the General Assembly about procurement as well, and that pressure went away. So it allowed us to do things um, 
RFIs. You know, do more RFIs to understand what businesses are there and do the market research to understand who is the top in this area and target them and talk to them and see if they're available to solve your needs and allow the agencies, our customers, to be able to choose. I think that was the biggest thing for us. Well, I think choice. yeah, I think you're very fortunate that you were able to get that kind of a procurement authority moved over to the IT shop because that was a, I couldn't get that done in Massachusetts, but we finally did get it done in California. I shouldn't say finally it was it was right. uh, devied up. Uh, we got the IT side of procurement, and uh, the IT side of procurement always has various interpretations, whether it's the procurement offici- officials or the, <laughs> That's true. the CIO's office. But it, once you get that, it does make a big difference. At least you're accountable for it, and you're. You know, it's not like you can say, yeah, well, there's nothing I can correct. do about it. That's the procurement shop's fault. Jeez. Great <laughs> that's excuse. right. That, uh, that's the easy way out. Yeah, we only have a couple more minutes here. I wanted to ask, I saw that you had okay. a strategic plan from back in 2016. Is there a new one in the works, or when might right. we see something along those lines? Yeah, you should see one, hopefully within a couple of weeks. That's a two-year project that actually happens here. So every two years, we'll, we'll roll out a, a strategic plan. So you should see ours out. Within a few weeks, we just finalized the draft uh, the end of January, so it should be out very oh, soon. Well, we call that a I'll make sure you get a copy. We, How we about call, that? We, we call that a scoop, Eric. Thank you very much, and I'll look forward to getting it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know, one of the things I noticed in, in, in my position is you always seem to butt your nose into other organizations when you're trying to help, particularly if there's some technology <laughs> right. that, frankly, you go to a NASIO conference and you talk to one of your colleagues and you learn about this great Right. Uh, great new initiative in a different state, and you try to get a different mm-hmm. different department. That's sometimes a that's sometimes a rocky road to get into those kind of conversations and and get it to work. But it's really part of your job, isn't it? It is. It really is. It is. Yeah, you I, have to. Yeah, you have and I think to. the way. Yeah, you have to. And the way the way I approach it is, it goes back to I think our first question we talked about the this position and where it sits. You know, at the cabinet level you can reach out to your peers and talk about, hey, this is what, you know, my peer in another state is doing and it's really beneficial for that state. And what I do is connect the dots and then I kind of fade away and then just go back and check and say, do you need anything from us or is there anything? And it's kind of, it's almost like I keep a, you know, pulse. Let's make sure the pulse is there and then jump when we can to make sure we can push it across the finish line. I believe when you were over at the DOT, Department of Transportation there, you were involved in a ERP project. And it brought to mind uh, along this same subject, when I came to California, they said, what's the IT budget? And they said, well, it's three, three or $4 billion. I said, well, how do you know? And they, and they said, well, we do a survey once a year. <laughs> so, that's it. That's it. Once that's a year. It. So I yeah. said, well, you need a new financial system yeah. here. And the financial exactly. system, the financial exactly. system, and that was in 96, 97. The financial system in California, right. the the uh, the champion of that system was Caps Casper Weinberger, who was Department of Finance's oh. administrator for Governor Reagan. Believe it or not, that's how old he was. Oh, so wow. I said, you've got to get wow. a new one. You got to get a new system in here. You can, you're spending billions yes. of dollars on something. You don't even know how much it is, and you have to do a paper survey. Do you know they're still doing that survey <laughs> once a year? And they've just got a one. Billion, oh wow! They've got a one billion dollar ERP project that is stumbling forward so i was hoping to hear a little oh, bit yeah. more about how you all did it at dot and did that become a enterprise-wide system for north carolina so we 
basically we had a great um we had a great team for the one we did in at uh, DOT. Uh it was very it was very business led honestly and the uh, IT staff was the support staff um and the vendor was on site and was a very good partner for us. Um and we really had a lot of input from the SMEs in the field, you know, to make sure that it wasn't just the central, you know, organization within Raleigh here, our capital. So we had a lot of input and a lot of discussion, a lot of blueprinting, a lot of, you know, it was a lot of meetings about the who, the what, the when, the why, how's it going to work, and just that part, and then, you know, checkpoints throughout the project to make sure everyone was still on point. And as we hit a, you know, a milestone, did we really, were we really successful with that milestone? Um, and make sure our biggest piece was from at that time the secretary was told told us to make sure we could we could still receive federal reimbursement. <laughs> <laughs> so you know transportation is very yeah. we want to make sure you can get that federal dollar. Yeah, sure, sure. So and it was very good, it, it very successful. Um, it, and we we have not made that a enterprise model. It was an option. Um, the ERP program we have here. Um, the controller's office is the business owner, um, and they chose not to do that. So, interesting. But, yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, very yeah. much so. Well, well, listen, we only have a second, so I just want to. Uh, I want to thank you very much for uh, for your time, Eric. Uh, any shout out you want to give to your fire department colleagues before we go? Welcome to it. <laughs> sure, sure. Let me let me give a shout out to the chief Paul Whitehurst for uh, all his dedication for the local community. There you go. Uh, with that, we'll have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Eric Boyette, Secretary and State Chief Information Officer for the North Carolina Department of Information Technology. And thank you for listening. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly, and is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.